Hello and welcome to Conversations with Commerce Trust, our show about the markets, investment themes, and economic insights that matter to you. I'm your host, David Hagee, Chief Investment Officer with Commerce Trust. Today, we're going to review the economy and markets from 2022 and look ahead to 2023 with Scott Colbert, our Chief Economist and Director of Fixed Income, and Matt Schmidt, our Director of Equity here at Commerce Trust. Welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, David. Good to have you back in the office after a great holiday season. Uh, But let's spend a little time working through 2022. It was a year where we saw uh, only the second time in the past 45 years that we've seen a negative return from both stocks and bonds. The previous time that happened was 1994. Unfortunately, in 2022, it was a uh, significantly weaker returns for both areas uh, than in 1994. Uh, U.S. stocks measured by the S&P were down about 18%, and the broad bond world measured by the aggregate index was down about 13%. Um, looking at 22, for me, it was the inflation story that dominated things. Um, Scott, maybe you could talk about uh, you know the inflation story and, and what happened in the economy over the course of 2022. Well, certainly the surprise to everybody was that inflation, you know, was much less transitory and much more sticky than people thought. And of course, it continued to rise and rise and rise for the first half of the year at a bigger clip than most people were expecting. The CPI, which is the typical inflation measure that that most people think about, peaked in June at 9.1%. The core CPI, when you X out food and energy, peaked just last October And a broader measure of inflation, this so-called personal consumption expenditure index that the Federal Reserve likes to focus on. And of course, they like to X out food and energy, too, because they don't think they have much control over food prices. And I think the Russian-Ukraine war pretty much proved they don't have much control over energy prices. Peaked in February at 5.4%, and has slowly been falling. So I think it's pretty clear that you know inflation was the big story last year. The central banks all reacted to it, not only here in the United States, where they took short-term interest rates from essentially zero to about 4.5%, much higher than anybody was expecting at the beginning of the year. But we also saw the European Central Bank react, push their interest rates up 2.5%, and the Bank of England and even the Bank of Japan widened their range for where they expect their 10-year so-called JGB, their version of a 10-year treasury, to trade. So uh, we have global central banks uh, action here of raising rates pretty quickly to be able to confront this uh, inflation piece out there. I know we started the year with two negative, uh, two quarters of negative growth, uh, which was maybe a bit more of an anomaly. Uh, but now looking ahead, uh, we have a yield curve that's fully inverted and we potentially have uh, uh, inflation, as you mentioned, rolling over. Is the Fed done with their rate hikes? Well. No, they know they're going to continue to push them up a touch. Between the 17 members of the FOMC and the 12 voting members, there's quite a discrepancy ranging from, say, a low of four and three quarters or 5% to a high of 6% on where they expect to take short-term rates this year. The market is betting on the low side. The expectations are that there's about 225 basis point rate hikes coming if I had to take the over or under on that, I might think it's closer to five and a quarter or five and a half than just the five. But we'll have to see, and it's really a function of how quickly inflation continues to transition you know, lower. And of course, the problem with this rate hiking process is that the you know, impact of the economy works with a lag. And so really, um, 2023 is a transitory year 
you know, where you're going to have an economy slowing here, economy that's probably in recession in Europe, an economy that's already in recession in the United Kingdom, interest rates that are higher, inflation that's rolling over, and a Fed reserve that's likely to be very sticky on where they where they pin that short-term rate for the rest of the year. So it's a tough outlook. Because it's a tough outlook, I would say probably about two-thirds of the prognosticators expect some type of a recession this year. The key points that they're looking at are that the leading economic indicators are and have been declining on a year-over-year and more importantly, on a six-month basis. They're looking at the inversion of the yield curve, and they're looking back at history, and they're saying, listen, the Fed has not been able to soft land the economy when they've had to do one of two things, either fight an inflationary surge of more than 4%, or if they've ever raised rates 400 basis points. Those two things were kind of, I hate to say the kiss of death, but basically the, 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 what, what, what drove them into a recession rather than a soft landing. So the Fed dot plot looks more like a scattergram, uh, reflecting maybe this wide range of uh, outcomes out there. You know, what we do know from 2022 is that they were aggressive in raising rates. They moved it from effectively zero to four and a half percent, the most aggressive they've been since 1982. Uh, for me, that translated most directly into, into the equity markets. Matt, you know, maybe recap 2022 for us and, and give us your thoughts uh, around what happened there. Thanks, David. Yeah, with uh, the you know the S and P market down roughly 18 percent for 2022, uh, the global markets were down a little less than that during the same time period. You know, earnings here in the U.S. were relatively flat, uh, came in at around that 220 dollar mark, and the big you know decline in equity markets driven from those higher interest rates really came in the form of you know the contraction in PE ratios, uh, the price earnings multiple and what you're willing to pay for uh, those stocks in that higher interest rate environment. You know, the broad market, the S&P went from roughly 21 and a half times down to about 17 and a half times. But the really big contraction ha- happened on the uh, growth side of the equity market, where you saw you know multiples go from 30 times down to about 21 times, uh, where value was able to, to hold in a little, little stronger. Yeah, it's it's uh, easy to, for us to, to take a step back and look at this and say, Wow, this is really a wide dispersion of returns between value stocks, maybe uh, defined roughly by banks and energy companies, things like that, down only about seven and a half percent, and growth stocks down almost twenty nine percent, and maybe a reflection of some of those uh, uh, big growth names that we had grown accustomed to over the pandemic. Matt, transitioning from U.S. markets over to the international side, I think one thing that I think started to drive things a little bit on the investing side is this currency trade. Um, You saw the dollar euro, uh, the dollar have about six and a half percent more uh, strength or or gain in value versus the euro. You saw the dollar pound go up a whopping 12% as the UK has really kind of struggled to get their footing both post Brexit and post pandemic. And then the yen is the is the leader in terms of its decline, uh, declining almost 14 percent against the U.S. dollar. What are our thoughts on you know, what happened inside the international markets um, over the course of 2022? Yeah, and the, those uh, currency shifts obviously are direct headwind to a U.S. investor and uh, create an, an even more challenging environment in terms of uh, trying to you know re- recoup those declines. The growth rates in the international economies were already slower than that of the US and so you know when you add in you know China's zero covid policy that they were dealing with and then uh, Ukraine uh, 
and Russia and the, the invasion that took place there, you know, adding challenges in terms of the growth expectation for foreign markets, it just really compounded on itself uh, as we moved, you know, through 2022, uh, bringing, they had a better starting point in terms of valuation levels. Their markets weren't as overpriced as, as perhaps ours were, uh, but that, you know, we're on a little more even footing as we uh, exit 2022. Yeah, and you know, looking uh, more closely at the markets inside 2022, um, the other maybe striking piece to it is that we only had two sectors of the U.S. market that were up. Uh, looks like utilities were up about 1.6 percent, uh, sort of surprising, giving rising interest rates, um, and then also energy was up almost 65 percent. Um, you know, a- any thoughts around the the sector movements there? Yeah, obviously, energy was a big benefactor of the, you know, the Russian invasion into Ukraine and the concern about global supply of oil and and natural gas and the energy situation uh, that unfolded with that. And then looking at, you know, the other areas, as we touched on, some of the big mega cap growth companies that were, um, you know, their their growth rates were being called into question and and you were seeing those uh, valuations come down. It uh, really affected, you know, technology or, you know, the Amazons and Microsofts of the world if we want to, you know, get specific companies. Um, but even then, you know, the the impact that inflation was having on the consumer, so some of the consumer discretionary type areas, things like that, uh, were under pressure as we, you know, we were un- unclear or unsure of how the consumer was going to be able to weather uh, that high inflation that, that Scott was talking about earlier. Scott, you know, cold comfort inside the bond market that it was off only 13% relative to the 18% inside stocks, uh, but certainly an unprecedented year for us uh, inside the bond market, or at least uh, since they began tracking those, uh, the aggregate index. Any thoughts as to how we position our portfolios, a reflection of our economic outlook, as well as uh, positioning in different uh, sectors inside the uh, bond universe? Yeah, the uh, down 13% return that you um, referred to to you know start this piece, that's the about four times worse than the taxable bond market has ever produced since these indexes were invented back in 1976. So it was a disaster. The good news is, is with rates materially higher, we've had a yield rally and a much bigger cushion going forward now. And it's almost mathematically impossible to double down on such a terrible return. It's not impossible to have a negative return, but it's going to be much, much closer to zero or barely negative, and we would still lean probably on the positive side. We were short in terms of maturity last year, and that helped save a few basis points, if you will, relative to the broad markets. This year, we're adding back the duration because we think you know interest rates have likely peaked. We are still underweight credit-sensitive areas like high-yield and emerging market debt because we're still, you know, somewhat cautiously, I'll use the word pessimistic about the outlook for the economy. But as we transition into a slower economy, we think there's going to be some good valuation open up there. And we're likely to add back to the risky sectors that we have basically eliminated from the portfolio as the year progresses. So with the backdrop of a potential recession headed our way uh, for the back half of 2023, and uh, maybe CPI rolling over and the Fed done with at least most of the heavy lifting on uh, raising rates. Where do we see the pockets of opportunity? Uh, Matt, maybe with you on the uh, equity side of the house. Yeah, I think you know we touched on a little bit earlier as you look at the international markets, you have to start to look around and see if if they may 
uh, come out of some of the weakness sooner. Uh, thinking about China exiting zero COVID, but their economy's certainly a mess. Uh, there, there's, you know, will there or won't there be an opportunity there? And, and as they try to get their house in order, will that create some some growth and lift for economic growth in Europe and, and the rest of the world? And then here in the U.S., you know, we're, we're watching closely. We had moved back to neutral last year between, you know, value and growth stocks. But in a slowing economy, you would expect uh, growth companies perhaps to resume that leadership. Uh, and that'll be something that we're going to be focused on and looking at pretty closely as we work through uh, 2023. We certainly see bumps, uh, you know, here in the first half of the year, but the markets are always forward looking and trying to price in, you know, what is coming and and will the equity markets start to price in, you know, some improvement as we look at the the back half of 2023. So a uh, glimmer of hope on the equity side that uh, as we price in uh, maybe a recession, and moving forward that generally the market reads that in advance and you start to see stocks maybe move up. Scott, what do we think on the fixed income side? Well, the bond market, you know, is already starting to try and sniff out the slowing or the ending of the Fed rate hiking process. The 10-year Treasury peaked last September, late September, early October. And I don't think we're likely to get back to those highs and interest rates that we saw. So I think already we've seen kind of the highs, if you will, in longer-term interest rates. From a credit spread perspective, in other words, looking at all the other sectors of the bond market, um, we don't think that they've bottomed yet in essence because basically spreads are pretty average. High yield spreads are very average. Um, uh, corporate bond spreads or investment grade spreads are very average. Mortgage bonds are very average. So they seem to be you know, discounting about a 50-50 outcome for a soft landing versus a, a recession. And we would still say the odds of a recession are slightly better than 50-50. And so we're still cautious on a credit perspective, but we think we'll find opportunities there as the year progresses. Yeah, and it's it's nice to have somewhat of a yield cushion finally. I mean, I think that's the big difference for me for the past decade is that you weren't getting much in, in the way of yield. Thanks for the wide-ranging discussion today. For more information about our recap of 2022 and our outlook for 2023, you can download our annual outlook at www.commercetrustcompany.com. Thank you for joining us on Conversations with Commerce Trust. I'm David Hagee. We'll talk again soon. Important material disclosures regarding the content of this program follow. Commerce Trust is a division of Commerce Bank. Generally, non-depository investments offered in connection with Commerce Trust and its affiliates are not guaranteed, are not FDIC insured, and may lose value. Opinions and other information provided are effective as of the date of the recording and presented for the purpose of general education, information, or illustration only. Neither Commerce nor any of its affiliates, officers, employees, or agents have made any recommendations to buy, hold, or sell securities or given any advice as to the terms, beneficial interests, or profitability of any investment strategy or marketing activity and information provided may not be relied upon as such. You, as the investor, are fully responsible for any investment transaction you choose to enter into, including determining whether such investment is appropriate in light of your investment objectives and personal circumstance, and you shall not have relied on any of the preceding or following information from Commerce as the basis for any investment decision. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified attorney, tax advisor, or investment professional. In considering whether to trade or invest, you should inform yourself and be aware of the risks. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, and the information in the commentary provided is subject to change based on market or other conditions. Diversification does not guarantee a profit or protect against all risk. 
Commerce Trust does not offer tax, legal, or specific estate planning advice. And while we may provide information or express general opinions from time to time, such information or opinions are not offered as professional tax or legal advice. Commerce Trust does not provide advice relating to rolling over retirement accounts. Commerce Trust is not a municipal advisor under Section 15B of the Securities Exchange Act and therefore does not offer advice or recommendations concerning bond proceeds or other municipal advice subject to this section. Any data contained herein from third-party providers is obtained from what are considered reliable sources. However, its accuracy, completeness, or reliability cannot be guaranteed.